here in our parish, we are getting ready to say goodbye to Teresa next weekend, a music minister here at St. Thomas, at St. Thomas, at our May, our different parish, at the Mecca Conception Parish for 20 some years, 26 years. And I will address this more next week. What will happen when she leaves? Right? The missing and yet the unknown future. Well, let me tell you something about my world. I've lived that tension, concern, and unknown for 26 years, 27 years in campus ministry. I went through this annually. Because we're not much of a staff, as myself and, and another bookkeeper and maybe a, a third person, that's it. The entire ministry was students. So every time we had graduation, every single year, we went through an exercise that was as predictable. Oh no, so-and-so's graduating. What are we going to do with music? So-and-so's graduating. Oh, she was so good at outreach. What are we going to do? Where are we going to find the next so-and-so and no so-and-so? Every single year, I lost great people who were indispensable in one way because they were so effective. And not seeing the future, I had no idea where we would end up. Well, in 26 years or so, I learned a really important lesson. That something of the future is going to happen no matter what. So that is a given. But the other thing is that some transitions work very well and others did not. Let me start with the ones that did not do very well. So, of course, people leave. You've got key positions in terms of the life of the community. And what do we instinctively want to do? We want to fill the spots, right? So you start looking for bodies to fill the spots. Some transitions, we'd say, hey, could you do it? Please take it. I said, okay, I'll find you. But they were, in fact, placeholders. They came in, not with a lot of dedication. They were doing their duty, and everything was pretty minimal. Those transitions, that position, that area did not go very far. Then, another one, which happened in a smaller environment, we'd have this phenomena, that so-and-so was really good, really wonderful, and say, great, we got it going. Now, as they graduate, who wants to take it over? And this group of people said no. And you know what they always said? I'm not like them. Don't put that burden on me. And their sense of failure and being intimidated by this task, they ran away from it. In both those cases of discernment in terms of bringing people into the life of the community, one the minimalist that just held the spot, and doing the bare minimum, and the others that were so more obsessed about their own success or failure, none of that worked. But the reason why I stayed in campus ministry for as long as I did, because the other stuff worked better. And the third case were people in terms of a transition that you would say, listen, why don't you, have you considered taking this role on? And I would find that the successful group had a few things in common. One, 
They were, in fact, in the trenches from the very beginning. They liked the ministry. They had the experience of the community. They, they understood their gifts. They didn't have a need to promote themselves. They loved the mission and what we represented in terms of the values. And when they said yes, even though it was a little intimidating to take over now this program or this activity, this ministry, they said, sure. And they were so successful because they understood they had already picked up by osmosis the culture, the community, the values, and the direction that 100% of them, that crew, not only took over the position, but they added to it another dimension, another level of excitement. Because they looked at this thing, okay, all right, now it's my turn, and let me step in, let me see what I can do with it. They were incredibly successful. And I always marveled at, and halfway through the year, we'd go like, wow, we were all worried last May about graduation. Holy cow, we were holding ourselves back until you showed up. And the gift kept on giving. 100% of those students, and I have a lot in mind, by the time they graduated, said, said something very interesting. You know... When I took this over, I had no idea where I was going to go with it, and I had no idea how I would be changed by it. And isn't that true? When we are put in a spot where we have to step up, if you will, we have to be up front, if you will, we have to be the point person. There is an intimidation on one side, but then there's also an exhilaration when you do step into it. Wow, I had no idea that this would happen. And because I offered myself, and because I've applied myself, I have been transformed by it. We can only grow to a point in life when we are completely dependent on others. We never ever grow until that breakout. For I can be successful to a low level simply following the rules or being dependent on somebody else, but that's not me. That's not fully me until I have the experience of stepping into something new. Now the readings today are about Jesus' return to the Father. The fullness of Jesus is, is the word of God that comes down to earth, is, dwells among us, and then eventually returns to the Father. And the theological meaning of Jesus and the Father and the oneness of who God is is very clearly indicated in the readings. But I like to always focus on the disciples. And I just wonder, and I got that sense in Acts of the Apostles, which I absolutely love, as the disciples are looking up and Jesus is ascending into heaven, they see the bottom of his feet. And then these two angels, these men in white say, men of Galilee, what are you doing looking up into the sky? Don't you have something to do now? <laughs> and think about that notion that the one we follow, the master as disciples, is now leaving us. What was their feeling? Were they the abandoned child syndrome? Were they helpless? Did they just need to fill a hole? Or did, in fact, by Jesus leaving them, they saw themselves in a new light? And we're really going to talk about it next week with Pentecost. 
that because Jesus leaves, the apostles, the disciples, truly become witnesses of Jesus. They can't really be fully witnesses of Jesus with Jesus standing right there. But they take on a no role when Jesus leaves them. Very much in the second reading, Paul talks about this idea about what is our role in terms to, to formulate the idea of the unity that we're all gifted by God's grace. All of us are significant for the sake of God's plan. We matter in who we are and how we live, and we give witness to that which we believe and trust interiorly. That all of us, Eventually, when we are given the opportunity to step out in front, to stand on our own two feet, which he defines as maturing, maturity, that we become decisive for the sake of the kingdom. For some, Ascension Thursday, as in many things in our lives, is the abandonment of us. For others, it's the new opportunity to be the person God has always intended us to be. But we could not see it until we were given a whole new playing field, a new arena in which our faith can come alive. I would always do this in terms of campus ministry. Every single year, I always did this. I would always schedule a time I was not on campus about six weeks into the semester, every single year. And they would have leadership meetings and they'd have all sorts of things, and I wasn't there. That was intentional. Because I wanted to see how students were when I wasn't there. And I was always impressed when I came back. You have it. You matter. And because of the gifts we share, we now are witnesses of Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, it is our opportunity to step up, to be the revealers of Christ who loves us all.